Greetings, friends. It's August 2nd, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where we progressively read through the Bible in a year, making our way through the pages with portions each day from the New and Old Testaments, so that we get a well-balanced meal with additional helpings from the book of Psalms and Proverbs. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I am happy to have you with us and serve as your tour guide. I've been teaching the Bible now for 47 years, and each time I read through it, there are new discoveries to be made. You may recall that Jesus spoke much about the ministry of the Holy Spirit when he met with his disciples in the upper room before he was crucified. He reminded his disciples that the Holy Spirit would guide them into all the truth. And that's a promise for us today. The Holy Spirit is our resident teacher, and he will glorify Jesus and take what is of him and disclose it to us. So let's take a moment to ask the Lord to be with us as we read today's portions from his word, that he might speak to us, reveal himself to us, and cause us to recognize how what we read applies to us in our day-to-day experience. Lord God, thank you for your unfailing presence and your enabling power. We ask that you make yourself known to us in a fresh way as we read your word. Enlighten our understanding, fortify our faith, so that we're able to stand against the forces of darkness identified with Christ in the victory of his cross. We're thankful for the Holy Spirit who can put his finger on anything in our lives that needs correction and sin that needs to be confessed, any work that you would have us do. We ask that you take control of our time together and cause us to profit by it. Use your word to further conform us to the image of your Son. And we ask it in his mighty name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 32 is where we start today's journey. So let's rally at the threshold with expectation, ready to step out in faith. Let us humble our hearts before the Lord of the Word as we read the Word of the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 32. We will begin with verse 1, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Second Chronicles chapter 32. Sennacherib invades Judah. After these things and these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem, he planned with his officers and his mighty men to stop the water of the springs that were outside the city, and they helped him. A great many people were gathered, and they stopped all the springs and the brook that flowed through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? He set to work resolutely, and built up all the wall that was broken down, and raised towers upon it. And outside it he built another wall, and he strengthened the millow in the city of David. He also made weapons and shields in abundance. And he set combat commanders over the people, and gathered them together to him in the square at the gate of the city, and spoke encouragingly to them, saying, Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria, and all the horde that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God, to help us and to fight our battles." And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. After this, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, who was besieging Lachish with all his forces, sent his servants to Jerusalem, to Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all the people of Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, 
on what are you trusting that you endure the siege in Jerusalem? Is not Hezekiah misleading you that he may give you over to die by famine and by thirst when he tells you the Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not this same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, Before one altar you shall worship, and on it you shall burn your sacrifices? Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands at all able to deliver their lands out of my hand? Who among all the gods of those nations that my fathers devoted to destruction was able to deliver his people from my hand, that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now, therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you in this fashion, and do not believe him, for no god of any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand or from the hand of my fathers. How much less will your God deliver you out of my hand? And his servants said still more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. And he wrote letters to cast contempt on the Lord, the God of Israel, and to speak against him, saying, Like the gods of the nations of the lands who have not delivered their people from my hands, so the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. And they shouted it with a loud voice in the language of Judah to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall, to frighten and terrify them, in order that they might take the city. And they spoke of the God of Jerusalem as they spoke of the gods of the peoples of the earth, which are the work of men's hands. Then Hezekiah the king and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, prayed because of this and cried to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel who cut off all the mighty warriors and commanders and officers in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. And when he came into the house of his God, some of his own sons struck him down there with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib king of Assyria and from the hand of all his enemies, and he provided for them on every side. And many brought gifts to the Lord to Jerusalem and precious things to Hezekiah king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations from that time onward. In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he answered him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him, for his heart was proud. Therefore wrath came upon him and Judah and Jerusalem. But Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah had very great riches and honor, and he made for himself treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all kinds of costly vessels, storehouses also for the yield of grain, wine, and oil, and stalls for all kinds of cattle, and sheepfolds. He likewise provided cities for himself, and flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him very great possessions. This same Hezekiah closed the upper outlet of the waters of Gihon, and directed them down to the west side of the city of David. And Hezekiah prospered in all his works, and so in the matter of the envoys of the princes of Babylon, who had been sent to him to inquire about the sign that had been done in the land, God left him to himself in order to test him and to know all that was in his heart. 
Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his good deeds, behold, they are written in the vision of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the upper part of the tombs of the sons of David. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem did him honor at his death. And Manasseh his son reigned in his place. Chapter 33 Manasseh reigns in Judah. Manasseh was twelve years old when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty-five years in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had broken down, and he erected altars to the Baals, and made Asheroth, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his sons as an offering in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and used fortune-telling and omens and sorcery, and dealt with mediums and with necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. And the carved image of the idol that he had made, he set in the house of God, of which God said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever, and I will no more remove the foot of Israel from the land that I appointed for your fathers, if only they will be careful to do all that I have commanded them, all the law, the statutes, and the rules given through Moses." Manasseh led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem astray, to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they paid no attention. Therefore the Lord brought upon them the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria, who captured Manasseh with hooks, and bound him with chains of bronze, and brought him to Babylon. And when he was in distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. He prayed to him, and God was moved by his entreaty and heard his plea and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. And this is the end of today's portion from the Old Testament, our reading from Second Chronicles. In previous chapters, we read of King Hezekiah doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. The big question is, why would the Lord permit Sennacherib of Assyria to invade Judah, capturing 46 fortified cities, and then threaten Jerusalem when Hezekiah and the people were making efforts to worship the Lord with their whole hearts? Alexander McLaren writes, It is the standing puzzle of the Old Testament how good men come to be troubled, and how bad men come to be prosperous. It is easy to understand how God could use the Assyrians as instruments of judgment against the evil and corrupt northern kingdom of Israel, but the southern kingdom? Admittedly, Hezekiah was not perfect, but he was such a vast improvement on his predecessor and sincerely sought the Lord and wanted to honor him. He led his country in a spiritual reformation. The New Testament gives us clearer perspective on this puzzle. God uses these trials to work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
God gets greater glory when we dignify the trial by trusting him to fulfill his greater purposes. Sennacherib of Assyria makes every effort to conquer the southern kingdom of Judah. He plans to lay siege on Jerusalem. Hezekiah strategically plans to block off the water supply outside the city. He had already rerouted it into the city through secretly constructed tunnels. We read in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 20, Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and all his might, and how he made the pool and the conduit and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? Archaeologists have uncovered this tunnel, and it is a popular visitor's spot in Jerusalem today. We see that Hezekiah was not lazy. He persevered, working hard at repairing the broken walls and building the towers of Jerusalem. He also strengthened the military and made large numbers of weapons and shields. He knew how to encourage the troops in Second Chronicles chapter 32, verses 6-8. through 8. Sennacherib wrote intimidating and insulting letters to Hezekiah. Hezekiah and Isaiah responded to the attacks of the enemy by crying out together to the Lord in prayer, in chapter 32, verse 20. God heard their prayer and sent an angel who annihilated the leaders and the officers of the Assyrian camp, causing Sennacherib to withdraw. The Lord does bring retribution upon Sennacherib in that when he returns to Assyria, he went into the temple of his gods, and some of his sons murdered him. The Lord brought glory to his name, and through these difficult circumstances, he delivered Hezekiah and Judah from the hands of the enemy. When Hezekiah becomes ill to the point of death, he prayed for fifteen more years. God heard his prayer and answered with a miraculous sign, the details of which are absent from Second Chronicles but recorded in Second Kings. As with Uzziah, Hezekiah's heart became proud, a sin which incurred God's wrath in Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 25. But Hezekiah gave no return for the benefit he received, because his heart was proud. Therefore wrath came on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. However, Hezekiah humbled the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come on them in the days of Hezekiah, in Second Chronicles 32, verse 26. It was during the miraculously extended years of Hezekiah's life that he became father to the most wicked king in the history of Judah, Manasseh. Despite Hezekiah's many successes, a great failure is recorded, but only one verse in Second Chronicles contains it and barely describes it. Hezekiah proudly displays all of his treasures in the temple and palaces, unaware that he was giving information to the enemy of all the spoil they would eventually take away from him. The chronicler gives this serious failure light treatment, recording it in only one verse. Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 31. Even in the matter of the envoys of the rulers of Babylon, who sent to him to inquire of the wonder that had happened in the land, God left him alone only to test him, that he might know all that was in his heart. This gives us a fresh perspective on the various trials we encounter in life we can learn something new about ourselves. Trials will reveal what's in our hearts. In Hezekiah's case, it was pride. Manasseh's reign is described in Second Chronicles chapter 33. This evil man became king at the age of 12. We read about his evil deeds in Second Kings, but they are listed here. 
By this time, the writer wants us to see that the southern kingdom of Judah was not better off spiritually than the northern kingdom of Israel and were just as worthy of judgment. Manasseh not only permitted sorcery, magic, divination, and idol worship which amounts to demon worship, but he practiced these abominations. Thus Manasseh misled Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the sons of Israel. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. Second Chronicles chapter 33, verses 9-10 through 10. We would do well to ask ourselves, are we paying attention to what the Lord is speaking to us through His Word? One of the most remarkable turnaround conversions in the Old Testament is that of Manasseh. He is converted in a prison cell in Babylon. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. Therefore the Lord brought the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria against them, and they captured Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze chains, and took him to Babylon. When he was in distress, he entreated the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. When he prayed to him, he was moved by his entreaty and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Second Chronicles chapter 33, verses 10-13 through 13. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible tour, which is the New Testament book of Romans, chapter 15, beginning with verse 23. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this, and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Chapter 16 I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sancrie, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Apinatus who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. And this is the end of our portion from the New Testament 
our reading from the Book of Romans. I love reading missionary biographies and journals. In Romans chapter 15, we're reading the Apostle Paul's missionary journal where he is outlining his travel plans. He also speaks of his special project of collecting funds for the Jerusalem church that was experiencing much hardship. We also read Paul's requests for prayer. Paul knew that when we pray for someone in ministry, we join them in ministry. This should encourage us to pray for our pastors and the many missionaries who are serving Christ in our locality and around the world. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Romans 15, verses 30 to 32. This passage gives us some insights as to how we can pray for missionaries. Yesterday we read of the God of hope earlier in this chapter, in chapter 15, verse 13. Now we read of the God of peace in verse 33. Chapter 16 introduces us to the many friends of the Apostle Paul in Rome. Paul will greet 26 by name and refer to at least two others who remain nameless. We also see how many women had important roles in the local church, even though they were not appointed as elders. Notice the churches that meet in homes. Priscilla and Aquila's home was a ministry center. How about yours? Let's move on in our Bible tour to the book of Psalms, the Bible's song and prayer book, Psalm 25, verses 16 through 22. And reading our psalm once again will be Peter Healy. Psalm 25, 16 through 22, a psalm of David. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble, and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes, and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Thank you, Peter. The psalmist recognizes his need for the Lord's help. Do you? Do you recognize your need for face-to-face fellowship? Do you recognize your need for his company in verse 16, his comfort, his counsel, his relief in verse 17, his forgiveness and deliverance in verse 18, his rescue, his vindication, his justification? When we pray, are we aware of all that he can do for all our troubles in verse 22? Now we conclude our tour, opening the treasure chest of wisdom, and we'll be drawing from it Proverbs 20, verses 16 through 18. Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger, and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for foreigners. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. Plans are established by counsel. By wise guidance, wage war. Let's examine these three Proverbs more closely. We need to hold all accountable, including ourselves, to fulfill obligations. 
taking a man's garment was an ancient way of holding collateral to ensure a debtor would repay their debts even when you are paying the debt of another person people can find excuses for paying you back when you pay their debt to their creditor on their behalf be careful not to let others take advantage of your kindness food obtained by means of fraud may taste sweet for a moment but eventually they will prove to sicken the conscience there is great wisdom in taking good counsel from knowledgeable people before launching any plan of action when going to war you want to be sure that all your troops are adhering to the same battle plan let's pray before we sign off lord thank you for your word that reminds us that we can cast all of our cares upon you knowing that you care for us help us to be like hezekiah when he was trusting you to fight his battles help us to encourage the troops that we work with and live with keep us steadfast immovable and always abounding in the work that you give us to do no matter what the trial we want to dignify it by not complaining but instead trusting you to make it work in us something of an eternal weight of glory and to make us more like jesus may our hearts not grow proud lord we ask that you give us hearts to reach out to others direct us and those who know you into fruitful works of service today we ask it in Jesus' name Amen. Well, I hope you get some time today to think upon the things we have read even further and meditate upon the applications to our lives. We hope that this podcast is a blessing to you and that it encourages you with a daily intake of God's Word. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, or if you would like to subscribe to a written copy of our daily commentary on the One Year Bible, you can go to our website, newlife.org. May you be blessed in all that you undertake at this time. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom.